welcome back to the Artful Gatherings podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Kirkland, and today I am so excited to introduce you to one of my very good friends, Eva Peterson. So Eva is everything that I would hope a podcast guest would be. She is warm. She is a wonderful teacher. She cares so much about the people around her and the world. She has such a big heart. I am just really so excited for you to meet her. So Eva is an Ayurvedic health coach and life coach. She has a really interesting story, which you'll hear about in the podcast episode, but she actually started her career as an architect and she was working at an architecture firm in New York City and had quote unquote the dream job according to many people's standards. And she encountered a pretty serious case of burnout. And so she talks about how she overcame some issues and also how she realized that she really wasn't doing the work that she was meant to do. That led her on this sort of soul-searching journey where she spent a few years, you know, figuring out what that looked like. And that is how she became a health coach and a life coach. And the thing that I love about Eva, which I love many things about her, but she takes such a holistic and balanced approach to anything that she does. So she, like me, she recognizes that your best life, your most beautiful, adventurous life is only possible if you take care of yourself first. And by taking care of yourself, that is what allows you to step into this really big, bold vision. And that's what allows you to take care of other people. You know, you can't, you can't take care of other people until you take care of yourself. So she has a lot of great advice about protecting your health and overcoming challenges and uncovering your own purpose in life. So I just know you were going to absolutely enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is my interview with Eva Peterson. Well, Eva, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Remind good. me, where where are you at right now? You're in Colorado. Correct. Right. Yeah. What what part of Colorado? I am in Howard, which is a very small town, um, about two hours south of Denver. And you're yeah. visiting family, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Tell me, what has it been like being back in the U.S.? Because um, this is unusual for you. Yeah, yeah. It's well. It's been a few, couple weeks now, or maybe like three weeks now. So, um, it's been really great, actually. Like, it's been so nice to see my family after like two years away, and it's been so nice to just have the conveniences of the U.S. You know, like things that we take for granted. Like, I can drink water out of the tap, and yeah, <laughs> I can um, like go to the grocery store and all of the things that I want are there and, you know, um, the candy I like, you know, just like all, all different things. Um, so having that like access and the, the level of comfort that comes from being in the place where you grew up, you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's quite nice. It's very grounding and it's, it's, um, allowed me to like, just kind of rest a bit and also get a lot done. So yeah, it's been cool. Yeah. Which is so nice. And for people who are not familiar with your story, tell us where were you before this or where have you spent the last couple of years? So before visiting the U.S., I was in Mexico for six months. And then for a year before that, I was in Peru, which is where I spent like the the first year that, that you know, COVID pandemic lockdown situation. And, um, and then before that, it's been, let's see. So I've been traveling and living abroad for about four years now, and I was in Asia for like a year and a half, and then the rest of that, for the most part, I've been in Latin America, between like Peru, Colombia, Mexico, and different countries down there. Yeah, so many places. Yeah. Um, has there any that stand out in particular, or maybe like some favorite memories or moments from all the various places you've been the last few years? Sure, yeah. So... Peru, I love, I love, love, love. So I, I've literally lived there, I think, for um, in the last two years, for over a year and a half of that. I just love Peru so much. And um, the mountains there, 
the surfing there, all of the wonderful things. One of my favorite memories there was spending a month in like living in the jungle with some shamans. I also found this like amazing community there of really empowered women that like live in this little surf town called Huanchaco and made what I'm sure will be life lifelong friends. And so I love that little town. Um, it's just this really unique random place on the earth, you know. And then I'd say my other favorite country that I visited was Nepal. I absolutely yeah. love Nepal. That's where I discovered like or not discovered, but um, really like learn more about Ayurveda, which is like what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think both Nepal and Peru just have like those beautiful mountains, which have such a, such an interesting energy. And there's just so much like ancient wisdom there that you can kind of tap into. I really, really enjoy those two places. I actually sometimes will interchange the names. Like oh, interesting. Nepal. Like in my brain, they're very related, even though, mm-hmm. you know, it's across the globe, but I love them both. Well, actually, and speaking of Ayurveda, I guess we should back up a minute and introduce people to who you are, because I am super familiar with you and your story and sort of how you got here. But can you walk us through, you know, what was the impetus for you to start traveling and how how did you get here and what are you doing now? Sure, sure. I'll try not to make this too long. I I spent um, most of my life pursuing architecture, specifically sustainable architecture. I thought I was going to, like, save the world through sustainable architecture. Um, And a noble goal, right? It's it's all great. But I – anybody who, like, knows an architect or has, like, seen people in architecture school, it's insane. We did not sleep. You know, it's like one of those things, I think a lot of artists can relate to this probably, but it's like, this is your Mm -hmm. art, it's your passion, you should die for it, you know, like, and that was very much the mentality um, in design school. So I just slept very little for about, what was that, four years of undergrad, two years of master's, you know, Um, very Mm -hmm. little sleep for that amount of time and ended up with all these health problems because of that. And then I moved to New York City after graduating, and I get a job at one of the top architecture firms in the country. And luckily, I believe my firm actually had a bit, a bit better, you know, um, track record with work-life balance than most. Yet it was still like very intense, you know, high-powered architecture firm, yeah. corporate job, you know, working in an office, and New York City, which is just a lot <laughs> to take in all the time. Yeah, buzzing with energy. Yeah. And so I completely burnt myself out really fast. Um, about, I would say, two and a half years into that job or so, I was just pretty miserable. I had, I had really health-wise kind of hit a rock bottom. Um, and I, I went to the doctor and got on all these supplements. And I, I was on this really intense medication because I had chronic migraines. Um, I was also diagnosed with like chronic fatigue. I was having panic attacks mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Um, very different <laughs> than the person that you see today. Yeah. And so all of that led me to realize that I just like really needed some changes in my life. And so I explored a lot of different things, um, different supplements, diets, ways of healing, uh, ways of moving. And eventually was just like, <laughs> once once I was able to quiet down a little bit and get a little bit of perspective, I was like, you know what? I'm looking at like the principals in my firm, the, the head designers, what I thought I wanted. And I was like, I do not want that life. I cannot do this for, you know, another 30 years or something. Yeah. And so I decided to quit, uh, much to the dismay of my coworkers and my boss and um, mm-hmm. and my family, you know, because I had been working towards this goal for so long. I quit just a couple of years after becoming a registered architect. So that's a really long process. And uh, yeah, I told my family and, and everyone that I was going to go travel for four months and then I was going to move back to the U.S. and get a job, just move back to the West Coast. But in my heart, I was like, this is not, I'm not, 
I'm, this is long term, but, but that was like a yeah. way to soften the blow, I think, for me and for everybody else. It seems a lot less scary if you're just like a couple months, you know, just a few months. But yeah, yeah I kind of knew I was going to stay, um, stay gone for a while. And yeah, was able to figure out a way to make it work. I launched, um, so the first business I launched once I had like taken a few months to, to really heal was um, illustration and graphic design. I thought that's always what I wanted to do. And um, pretty quickly realized that that for me, like turning my art into a profession just really took a lot of joy out of it. I didn't really like it. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are able to do that and they love it, but for me, it just wasn't, it just wasn't feeling right. And so I decided instead to pursue other ideas and, and try and figure out what I wanted to do. And all this time, like I mentioned, I, I had been living in Nepal for a while. I discovered Ayurveda. So I was studying that just from a personal level, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so then after exploring a lot of different options, I realized that I needed something that could grow with me. One of the things that, that was really hard about the other business ideas I had pursued or architecture um, was that I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't pivot and move and evolve. Like, um, a lot of architecture is kind of like copy paste, <laughs> you know, you think it's mm-hmm. this creative yeah. field, but really it's copy paste. So it works so we can save money. And so, yeah, I decided to pursue life coaching and, and, um, did a year long life coach training program, became certified in that. Absolutely loved it. I was like, this is amazing. This is it. And still love it. Still doing that to this day. But the more and more that I learned about Ayurveda and ended up doing a, a training program to become an Ayurvedic coach with the intention of just using it for my personal stuff. But by the end of that, I was like, nope, I got to share this stuff. This is amazing. <laughs> and so I've been yeah. blending the two, my life coaching, Ayurvedic coaching, and I call myself an Ayurvedic life coach now because, yeah, the blend of the two, I feel like, is really my sweet spot and what I love doing. Yeah. And you are excellent at it. Um, I know you and I have worked together before and, um, it, yeah, it's just fun to see you in your element doing those two things. I guess, you know, for people who maybe are not familiar with either one of those mm-hmm. two fields, can you tell us what is life coaching? What does that mean? And then what is Ayurveda and what are the basics of sure. that? Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. Um, I think you, you get in certain online spaces and you think like everybody knows what a life coach is, but then coming back to, mm-hmm. especially when I was visiting Missouri, and talking to some of my parents, friends and things, and they would introduce me. And, you know, one of the first questions you always get is, what do you do? And I say life coach. And it's just like blank stare. No idea. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so glad that you asked because a lot of people don't yes. know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's still kind of a new profession, you know. Um, or, well, it, it's not. I, I've actually met coaches that have been at this for 30 years, but not you know, it's mm-hmm. just sort of becoming more mainstream, I think. So, so yeah, I think of life coaching as, um, we can think of an, another type of coach, right? So Stephanie, you love tennis, right? So like a tennis coach. Yeah. So they help you basically optimize, um, and enhance your tennis game, right? Like, like a sport game. Mm-hmm. And so a life coach is somewhat similar, but for your life. And so you're looking at all the different aspects of your life. Where do you feel aligned? Um, what feels a bit off? Where do you feel that you might have um, old stories or limited beliefs that are holding you back? How can we move through that? What are your priorities? I find that a lot of people, um, a lot of my coaching is around helping people to figure out like, who am I really? What do I really want from this life? And then peeling back the layers that have been applied to them we, we typically, as we are growing up or, or even as, as adults, you know, people expect certain things from us. And then we think that's what we want versus like our actual, um, our actual self, you know? And so differentiating yeah. between like what is expected of me versus what do I actually want from life and helping people really align their lives with their values so that they can live that out. So that's kind of the life coaching approach. And then, and you know, there's so much more of it. That's, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's a great description. Cool. Okay. I could not have described it better Good. myself. Okay, hopefully that made sense to the audience too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Ayurveda, another like massive thing to put into a nutshell, but I'll do my best. Um, so Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word, which is the ancient language of 
India. And so um, every Sanskrit word I've realized in my um, studies has about like 20 definitions. So I'll just kind of share with you my personal definition, knowing that it has many other meanings. But so Ayurveda is basically the science of life and longevity. And it's a holistic, um, indigenous healing methodology, basically, that came from the Indian subcontinent and that developed over thousands of years and was actually written down about 3,000 years ago. And so it's a process of aligning to your true self, to nature and natural cycles in order to optimize your health and bring your body into balance. So we work on like the physical level, but also, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all of these different levels and trying to bring those all um, into a cohesive, balanced life. And you said this, you came across Ayurveda in Nepal. Mm -hmm. How did, walk me through that process of like how you sort of came upon it and then how it influenced you and your healing journey. Yeah. I, so I came upon it in Nepal. I had definitely heard about it before. Um, in New York, I, I was doing yoga regularly. I um, tried out a, a few different types of meditation, um, some that had like Vedic roots. So kind of like roots in the same sort of um, sort of culture, you know, and so mm -hmm. Ayurveda is actually a sister science of yoga. So they're very much related. So I'd heard about it, heard about it, definitely wanted to look into it more. But, you know, here I am, like, <laughs> working at an architecture job and trying to, like, be an activist on the side and, and doing all these things. And so I just didn't have time to dive into it until I go to Nepal and I realize, especially in the rural areas, that this is just, like, a way of life for them, you know? And yeah. Um, and not just in Nepal, but in a lot of what we would call like less developed, I'm putting that in quotes, but like less developed nations. So um, in like rural areas of Peru or rural areas of Vietnam or Thailand, like in these areas, they typically just by necessity are much more connected to nature and the seasons, you know, because yeah. they don't have these modern conveniences that we grew up with. <laughs> You know, like right. um, like central air conditioning, heating, these really airtight walls that are separating us from our environment. Like here in the U.S., I can buy a mango at any time, any time of the year, right? I can buy strawberries whenever mm -hmm. I want to. Like there's just such a disconnect from the seasons, and these other um, cultures are are very much more, you know, connected to nature. And so that yeah. really was intriguing for me. I thought it was really interesting how how like they actually looked to nature for healing and that just for me felt like common sense you know um and so yeah. I started doing the same and I, I took a I believe I was out out in nature out for 18 days about three weeks um hiking up to Everest base camp and and then even after that I I actually got injured on that trip I planned on not planned on being out for another month but but hurt myself but after that I, I still like spent as much time as I could in rural areas and uh, in the Himalayas. And uh, yeah, so the process of like slowing down, tuning into my body, reconnecting to my body was huge for me because I had really been suppressing that in order to just like get by and survive for a long time. So that tuning in was really um, important for me. And I think too, you know, I had, I had had like a, a big, type of like body image, self-acceptance type journey when I was in New York that, that continued on after that and still continues today, of course. For, For all of us. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and so a lot of that was like trying all these different diets and like, you know, this person mm -hmm. says this is healthy for you, but no, you should be paleo. No, you should be vegan, da, 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 all these different things. And what Ayurveda really helped me to see is that each of us are very, very unique. We each have a unique constitution. And so what is right for somebody else is not going to be right for me mm -hmm. unless we happen to have very similar constitutions, which, you know, doesn't happen that often. And so, mm -hmm. uh, so it helps me to just like accept my unique self and stop comparing myself to other people or looking to other people for like 
what I should be doing, you know? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because when you and I were working together, that was the thing that was the most eye-opening to me as well. Um, because you're right. Like there are so many experts out there who say you should do, you know, one thing or another, and it may not feel great to you personally, but you, you do that thing Mm -hmm. because the expert says to do it. And, um, I love that Ayurveda just cracks that. And it's, you know, one of many groups of philosophy that do that, but it's just eye-opening, um, and just gives you so much more freedom, I think, um, to listen to yourself and what it is that you need. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's one of many, right? So um, I think this this cool and special thing about Ayurveda is just because of the way colonialism happened in the world, it was able to stay quite intact, right? I mean, like Ayurveda probably is the most intact. Chinese medicine was able to kind of get through that whole period somewhat intact. But yeah, there are all these other indigenous healing systems, some of which I've actually been able to like have access to for instance, in Peru, um, in the Amazon, there's like their whole, the way that they approach plants and use plants as medicine there too is really amazing and beautiful. Um, it's not codified in the way that Ayurveda is. So I think Ayurveda is a bit more accessible, but, but yeah, a lot of these like ancient traditions have very similar, um, recommendations and, and ways of being and techniques. And so, um, I like to think of Ayurveda, you know, I, I am, people can't see me, but I am a white woman, you know, from the United States. And so me studying this, <laughs> this ancient healing system from India, um, sometimes mm-hmm. can feel a little bit odd because I want to be very respectful of all of those teachers and the fact that I am just a messenger and none of this is coming from me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can look back each of us into our own lineages, you know, mine coming from like the Celtic, um, and uh, Gaelic areas and, and, mm-hmm. and different, you know, wherever we're from, our ancestors, no doubt, before they had all these modern conveniences, also had these healing systems where they're connected to nature, they're using the plants, they're working with the plants in these symbiotic relationships. Um, some of the, I've, I've been studying a lot about Native Americans recently too, and, and mm-hmm. those relationships. And so we all have this like ancient wisdom in our blood. And I like to say sometimes, well, I I just said this for the first time the other day, and it really stuck with me. But I realized that studying Ayurveda feels a lot more like remembering, oftentimes, rather than new learning. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. Because it's so interesting. And I, I think the next thing that might be interesting to talk about is sort of a snapshot of how you work with clients. Um, and sort of like what that looks like when you're combining principles of Ayurveda with life coaching. Because I, I another thing that was really interesting um, for me was you would give this suggestion and you would say, well, try this low pressure. If it doesn't work, don't worry about it. Like, but just try this and see how it feels. And I remember being absolutely amazed at how quickly I noticed changes and with how I felt. And it was just like, man, I'm doing these very simple things, but it, it was just so transformative. Um, so yeah. Can you talk about like how, what does that look like when you're working with clients and combining these two education forms to get them to a better place? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of have, I have two two offerings are like around like one-on-one coaching right now. One is more of a life coaching type perspective um, or life coaching with the Ayurvedic perspective. <laughs> so we don't dive as deep into health that um, with those clients, I'm using more of like the, the fundamental, fundamental principles of Ayurveda that will really help anyone. Right. <laughs> and so, um, like I said, we're all very individual and Ayurveda does very much tailor to the individual. Um, however, there are things like being more aware of our environment, right? Or respecting our digestion, like, like overarching things that no matter what your individual constitution is, these are going to be helpful. So I kind of focus on that with, um, my more life coaching clients. And then, um, with my clients who are coming to me for Ayurvedic health coaching, those we did dig a lot deeper into their 
health. And then and also some of the life coaching clients after hearing a bit about Ayurveda, they, they also want to dive a bit deeper. And so, you know, <laughs> we bring in more of that health coaching too. So with the Ayurvedic coaching, like more of the, the traditional Ayurvedic health coaching, one of the first things that I do will be to assess a person's individual constitution. And this is something that we call prakriti. That's the Sanskrit word. Um, and so looking at the individual and specifically like how the five elements, so earth, water, uh, wind, ether, and fire play into their individual constitution. Because according to Ayurvedic philosophy, these five elements make up everything in the universe. You, me, the tree outside, <laughs> the computer that we're listening to and chatting on right now, all of these things are made up out of the five elements. And we find those five elements, just, just to harken back to what we were just talking about, those five elements are also in Chinese medicine, right? And, and in a lot of mm -hmm. other traditional medicines, right? They come up with these five elements. So the way that those elements manifest in our body, Ayurveda calls the doshas. And so there are these three doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha. And basically what those are, are just an expression of the elements. And so depending on the proportion of the elements in your body and how they express themselves, um, you'll have you know certain characteristics and um, physically, personality, also emotionally, all of these things. So we really look at that that individual constitution, and then just as important as that individual constitution, that constitution you were born with, is what imbalance you might have right now. So, <laughs> so those are that's really important too, right? Because according to Ayurveda those imbalances that we have. So when I say imbalance, I mean like, how does your current state differ from that perfect blend of elements that you were born as? And so when we look at that, those imbalances, we can see the beginnings of disease um, or health problems. And sometimes, you know, by the time a client actually reaches out for help, they're a lot further down on that, that disease train. And so they're really having some major health problems. Um, sometimes I'm able to catch it a little earlier, you know, if the person's a bit more in tune with their body. But once we look at those, then we can bring in Ayurvedic practices and techniques to bring their body back into balance and bring those elements back into balance in their body. And so sometimes those, when I'm working with the Ayurvedic clients, um, you know, are our environment is, is really influencing us and our lifestyle choices are really influencing us. And so then I really bring in that life coaching when somebody needs help, maybe setting boundaries or, you know, doing some, um, yeah, it could be boundary work or something with the relationships, you know, oftentimes relationships can start to um, bring imbalance into our bodies or emotional distress um, also, of course, our career and, and, you know, our job and our stress load, all of these things where that are a bit more maybe in the realm of a life coach, I'm able to bring into the Ayurveda stuff and then also bring the Ayurvedic perspective into the life coaching. So it's been a really fun blend of those two. Yeah, it seems perfect because they, they seem like they're very complimentary and that improvements in one would just naturally sort of bring improvements in the other. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Which is cool to watch. Have you noticed, is there a specific kind of person that tends to be attracted to like your unique combination of offers? Um, do you find yourself working with similar people often or are they, do they tend to struggle with similar things? Things of that sort? Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen some trends. Um, so I've worked mostly with, um, mostly with women um, as far as the Ayurvedic coaching goes. I've definitely had some life coaching clients that were men. Um, but I've found that overall, I don't want to make too general of a statement. However, it has been my experience that women tend to be a bit more interested in this stuff than men. <laughs> um, I think it's just more socially acceptable, you know, for, for us. Sure. To be interested in these things. But 
yeah, so the type of person that tends to be attracted to my work, I think, is in some ways similar to me in that they have a lot of drive. They really want to like make the most of this one life. They really want to do good things in the world. You know, I tend to work with a lot of women who have some eco-conscious or social conscious type of driver, you know, and then also mm -hmm. creatives. Like I work with a lot of creatives. So people who maybe have a million and one ideas and they're trying to figure out what to pursue, you know, they're having a hard time mm -hmm. focusing um, and maybe that causes some anxiety and some stress for them. And um, so, yeah, a, a lot of people who are very ambitious, a lot of people who are very creative mm -hmm. um, tends to be the, the type of person that I work with. And yeah, I think that that ambition, we could kind of in Ayurvedic terms, really that to fire, like they have a lot of fire, mm -hmm. a lot of passion, you know, um, which can be beautiful, like so beautiful and, and allow a person to get really far in life and, and have a huge impact. But when that fire burns too bright, it can also burn us out. There's a reason why it's called burnout, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. a lot of people who are like approaching burnout or have burnt out like I did and then are trying to recover from that. Um, I really enjoy working with people like that. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, sounds very similar to your story. So it makes sense that you would be able to help those kinds yeah. of people. Um, and I guess actually something we, else we haven't talked about, you've also started doing a few in-person workshops as well. You're kind of experimenting with that. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I had my first, um, in-person workshop about, let's see, I guess it was like six months ago, um, in Tulum in Mexico. I was living in Playa del Carmen and I, it was, it was interesting because I, I was like invited to speak at this workshop. And I had just arrived maybe a month prior from Peru where everything was completely shut down. And then I come mm -hmm. into Mexico, which is like this alternate universe where people seem to just kind of be pretending that COVID didn't exist. And I was like, I don't know about this. This is weird. So it was a slightly uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, I was invited to speak at this conference. And so I did. And it was so good to be in person. Um, and then I decided like, ah, oh, this feels a little irresponsible. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to hold off on the in-person events for a while. And then coming to the U.S., like things were really looking good here. Large percentage of people were vaccinated. And so I was like, sweet, I'm going to do like these in-person workshops while I'm there. Because I love connecting with people in person. I love speaking in person and just getting to have conversations with people and connect and like the, the energy that, that happens when you have a circle of people in person is different than online. You know, I love working with clients online and I've been doing that for, for years now and it's been wonderful, but I also love connecting in person. So I was like, let me bring this Ayurvedic wisdom to these different towns that I'm visiting. And that would be a way to share and, uh, and reach more people. And so, yeah, I had my first one this morning actually here in Colorado and it was so much fun, a great turnout of just really interesting people, really wonderful people. And everybody like shared and we had a good back and forth and I got excellent feedback afterwards as well. And it just felt so good to be there in person. I was just so grateful, so grateful to <laughs> be a messenger of this ancient wisdom. It, it's really an honor. And I had also planned on having one in Missouri in a couple of weeks, but I'm canceling that, putting a kibosh on that because Unfortunately, COVID has reared its ugly head again there. Yes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm in talks with um, a couple people in Ireland. We're, I'm headed to Ireland in August. And so there'll be a few, hopefully a few towns. I found like some cute little um, herbal shops and things where I might be able to host something. And if that doesn't work, I'll, I'll continue my online workshops. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. doing an Ayurveda for creative workshop soon. And um, I do some different online stuff. So we'll stick with that until it, you know, feels responsible and safe to be in person. Yeah. Well, and it's nice too, because you can't be, you know, everywhere all across the globe at once in person, but you can online, which is great because it allows you to serve so many more yeah, people. Absolutely. I guess speaking of serving people, can you talk about some of the, maybe some examples of the types of transformations that you've seen 
with clients that you've worked with? Sure, sure. You can also share about yours if you want. Um, but yeah, yeah. Okay, guess off. Let's see. Um, so let's see. Just thinking about my some of my current clients. Um, one woman, she she came to me and com- complaining of um, having diarrhea for one and a half months prior. Oh my goodness, that sounds miserable, me, right? Uh, she also had like a lot of um, redness in her face, some acne, and like quite a few digestive problems. So she had actually been diagnosed with IBS, uh, which is irritable mm-hmm. bowel syndrome, and so you have a lot of like gas and bloating and um, and things right going on. So that's no bueno. She, she was she was kind of hurting. She was not feeling good. She had also just yeah. um, while she was trying to heal all this other stuff, she had tried basically every diet under the sun. And so she was just like, I am lost. I do not know how to eat. I do not know how to live. Like, I am lost. Because she had just been listening for so long to all of these experts, right? Giving her all these different advice about Mm -hmm. what's healthiest and all these things. And she was just like, I just want to, like, I just want to know what I should do. (laughs) Um, And and she's so awesome. She's a really awesome person. And so after our first session with just a couple Ayurvedic tweaks to her lifestyle, her diarrhea went away. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. That is incredible. Yeah, it was so amazing. Um that's the power. That's the power of this work. And um mm-hmm. and now we've been together for about probably about two months. Um we've been meeting. And yeah, like the like it's she's visibly different. Like the redness in her face has gone away. Um her acne has really started to clear up. Um her digestion problems are are much better now and she was traveling recently and kind of went the other way, the constipated way, you know, and, and that's what our bodies do, right? Because we have all these environmental factors coming at us at all times. Um, our bodies are, are swinging back and forth, right? Just trying to find homeostasis, trying to come back into balance. And what's really cool now is because of the Ayurvedic perspective, she's able to note like, oh, okay, so this is happening. So I needed to do this. Like she's so much more in tune with her body and so much more aware. Mm-hmm. And she has all these Ayurvedic tools and techniques in her tool belt to make these adjustments. So, um, so that's been amazing. Um, do you want to share a little bit about your story? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely can. Um, yeah, I think for me, I mean, I, you know, I didn't come to you with anything major, but I've always been super health conscious and was just really interested in being the best that I could be. And something about Ayurveda just spoke to me and I thought, you know, this seems like this could work. So I was very curious to see um, what you had to offer. And I think for me, probably the bigger, like the biggest takeaway was learning the dosha. Um, Because mine is pitta, which is that fire that you were talking about. Um, And I think I kind of knew that intuitively because I can, I am very driven. I am very passionate. I can get very um, high strung at times. which I think is is typical of of people with the pitta dosha, um, and so I think for me it was just realizing that okay, like this is my default, and if it is, then I need to make sure that I am paying attention when I am going too far, mm-hmm. and when you know what things can I do to be more grounded because that was sort of the opposite of the pitta was that more grounded um, state, and so. Yeah, I think just ever since then, I've just been a lot more in tune with what that looks like. And I can tell when I'm nearing my edge. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, th- I just feel a lot more equipped to deal with that. And I have things that I can go to that make me feel calm and at peace and not um, over the edge fiery, Yeah, I would say. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's the art of Ayurveda, right? That's the art of Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. It's life is going to throw stuff at us. Stuff is going to happen, right? And we can either like spin out into like anxiety spirals, which is what I used to like to do and still do from time to time. Or like we can get super like pitta about it, right? And just be like, I'm just going to work my butt off and I'll get through this, you know? And like, so we have these different ways of responding. Somebody who's kapha might just like shut down and watch Netflix for five days, you know? Um mm-hmm. We have these different ways of responding to what life throws at us. And the art of Ayurveda is having the awareness 
of what our typical response might be. And then being able to make a choice, like, is this how I want to respond or do I want to respond differently? If I, and if I do want to respond differently, then like, then how, like, how should I respond? Um, mm-hmm. And I say that word should, but um, basically like, how, how can I respond that actually feels good to me? Like in a way that feels good to me mm-hmm. in a way that is aligned with my values and the life that I want to live. So um, yeah, that's the art of, art of Ayurveda is being able to make those insure, informed choices with right awareness and intention. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of values, this was something you talked a little bit about earlier. What were, what are some of your values? What are some of those things that led you to lead the life that you do now? Yeah, well, great, great question. So I think that there are, we have core values, like things that are important to us from before we can remember it's just kind of who we are you know and then I think we also sometimes have have more immediate values so things that are maybe not in our nature to really focus on but that are still really important to us and so I I'm kind of always shifting my values around um so there are like these things that that I'll talk about that are like really um just just innate and and core values to me but then also um values more in the sense of like things that I'm prioritizing um, today, you know, like in my, in my current um, walk, my current life. So as far as like what, what I valued and how I've changed my life in order to um, align with those values. So one of those things was definitely like valuing my relationships and my family and making time for those things was something that I did not do when I was living in New York or when I was, um, you know, studying. And so I knew that when I was redesigning my life, basically, I wanted to be able to spend more time on those relationships and, you know, eventually have a partner and, and things like that. And also I really value creative expression. And so you know, you think architecture, oh, that's creative. You know, you see like these cool buildings going up and everything. Um, And some people do get to that point where they get to have that creative expression. But there are so many other factors that come into play that throw that creative expression off and and make it, you know, you you have to really compromise on things. And so so I wasn't able to, to have that creative expression in my career. And I knew I wanted to be um, to be able to be more creative. So even if it wasn't directly, you know, um, something that I was doing and, and charging for, at least to have like the time and the energy to have my creative pursuits on the side, you know, because when I was working in architecture, I, I didn't have that time or that energy. I was so dead at the end of the day. Another thing that's really important to me is nature and being a good steward of the environment. Um, that's a really, really a top one for me. And I felt that in my architecture career, I was really like slamming my head up against the wall with that um, it's, it's uh, a lot of greenwashing, you know, people saying that they're interested in sustainable design and taking care of the environment. But then when you actually try to do that um, and when you're on the front lines of that in, in a profession, it can be really hard and you feel like you're yelling into an abyss. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, my lifestyle now is probably, according to most people, very extreme. Um, I don't really use plastic ever. <laughs> I mm-hmm. um, I do fly, so I think it's really important with you know trying to live a sustainable lifestyle to recognize that we do all make compromises, you know, and we're all doing our best. But um, but yeah, I, I live a very environmentally conscious lifestyle now, and that feels really good for me. Um, other core values, growth, 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 growth. I think that um, personal growth is, for me, very, very important. And if I'm not growing, I, I feel like I'm dying, kind of, like I'm wasting away. And I plan on continuing to grow, continuing to study Ayurveda, continuing to expand myself um, until the day that I die you know? (laughs) So that personal growth and again, having the time and energy to grow, but also being able to like 
to share that. So um, one thing that's really important to me and, and that I realized as I was traveling, especially before I started working again, and I was just kind of decompressing, traveling, exploring, seeing a lot of things, I was like, I don't want to just see the world. I really want to contribute to it in, in a major way, you know? And so, yeah, contribution, like <laughs> giving back, being, being a messenger of things that have really helped me is also really, really important to me. Um, so I would say those are my core values. <laughs> then there are other, there yeah. are other values that, that come into play that maybe I don't always super focus on like, okay, maybe I need to like have some stability in my life, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a, one of those values that um, is becoming more and more important to me, especially with my lifestyle that I'm trying to cultivate. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those feel very you. Um, what, so speaking of this unconventional lifestyle that you've built, I know there had to have been moments where either friends or family or even yourself, like, you know, there may have been doubts and, you know, other people or even yourself, you may have doubted yourself that this was the direction that you wanted to go. How did you overcome that? And how, how do you continue to pursue these sort of against the grain things, um, in pursuit of all the things that you were interested in? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so many doubts, so many doubts um, that I've dealt with. <laughs> um, and they have evolved and changed, you know, and come back in sneaky ways at times um, throughout my whole life, my whole journey. Um, leaving architecture, for example, was massive. It's something that I invested a ton of time and money into. And people just don't really do that. Like people don't like have this, you know, like really intense <laughs> profession and then they're like, peace, you know, and go to mm -hmm. something totally different. So for, I would say like at least the first couple of years, um, this doesn't really come up anymore um, for me, which mm -hmm. is, which is awesome. But for the first couple of years, I was like, did I make a mistake? Should I have not done that? Oh, oh, oh my God. You know, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what have I done? Um, but every time I really like, I, I journal a lot. I write a lot. Mm -hmm. And so every time I I'd get out my journal and I'd really like journal through it. And I think like, like do I want to be doing that? No. <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> it always comes back to that. It's like, I just have to remember mm -hmm. like how unhappy I was in that setting. Um, and, and how much work it took to like, to being okay. You know, one of the things that that I realized that I had the foresight. Um, little Eva was, was um, I don't know, smart in this way. I don't, I don't know where this came from, but <laughs> I, I realized like when I was leaving architecture and I had kind of made that decision, like I was going to quit this job. I was like, you know what? Yes, my surroundings are important. Yes, my career is important. But if I can't be happy here, then just traveling isn't going to fix anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so at that time, I actually worked with a life coach to really – figure out like and <laughs> reconnect with like what makes me happy how can I be okay in this situation um and I was able to actually get to myself to a really good place by the time I ended up quitting and because mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes we can we can use like travel or self-growth as a distraction from other things you know and I just mm -hmm. didn't want to do that so so I knew then I'd be in the same boat <laughs> that is very smart of little Eva yeah. so um <laughs> Now I'm forgetting what the question was. I feel like I had other things to say there, but I went off on a side tangent. How have you um, dealt with doubts mm. that have come up along the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so taking that time to to journal and like reconnect back with myself, and like we mentioned before, with what my values are and my priorities in life has been huge for me. Um, mm -hmm. And also just developing what I call a growth mindset. So basically, you know a lot of those doubts might be tied to certain realities, you know, like I like, okay, say I want to become a life coach, right? I don't know how to life coach yet. I'm doubting myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to doubt myself. Mm -hmm. But, um, and so we can take that one of two ways, right? We can take that the way of like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not a coach yet. And so, you know, it's too hard, whatever. Or I can take the approach of, I want to become a life coach. 
okay, so I'm going to find the best program that I can find. I'm going to get expert training and I can do this. Like I can develop this mm-hmm. skill in the same way that I developed the skills to become an architect, you know? So having that growth mindset of, okay, this is where I want to go. Uh, this is what I want to explore. And I know that I can get there is really huge. Like having that confidence in yourself. And that was something that I had to work on, you know? Um, it wasn't something that that came easy to me or to anybody else, you know, for that matter. I think yeah, absolutely. We all have that more fixed mindset at times. Um, another thing that's really helpful is talking to my best friends. You know, they mm-hmm. <laughs> there have been times um, where I make a decision, I go for it. Of course, everything that we do in life comes with ups and downs. So even like the like digital nomad travel all the time lifestyle that looks like so sexy on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. it comes like, you know, you know, we, we, we've talked about this a lot. <laughs> like, it comes with its, its own challenges, you know, and mm-hmm. those challenges are on a road, much less traveled. So there's like less help with them, but, mm-hmm. but just being really open with my friends and, and really honest with myself and vulnerable. I've, Whenever I'm like, oh, should I be doing this? This is really hard. Wouldn't it be easier to just go get a job? Or, you know, when I've had those types of moments, um, my friends are kind of there to remind me of like, but this is why you made this decision, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that can also be really, really helpful. And then the last thing that I'll say is just like gratitude, like gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Whenever I come up against those challenges, I just have to like stop, sit, take a look around, (sighs) take a breath. And just start listing all the things that I'm grateful for. And that pretty much every time will start to dissipate some of those doubts. Yeah, for sure. I guess speaking of other unconventional things, we haven't talked about this either, but you, so you have an online business Mm -hmm. and yet you recently got off of social media and you were no longer marketing your business on social media, which is such a big and bold thing to do. So I want to hear about that and what, what led you to that decision and what are, what are you doing instead? Yeah. So that was, let's see, that was about, I guess like four or five months ago now. Um, I decided to do Mm -hmm. that. And as you can probably tell from the rest of my story, I tend to make big, bold moves. (laughs) (laughs) sometimes with a lot of thought other times I'm just like I have to do this and I do it um this was something that I had given a a, quite a bit of thought to though I've just seen the way that social media has changed my life and I'm also pretty aware of the negative sides of it in our society as well so first of all like um I think it's a personal choice and there's no right or wrong answer here you know, like some people have a really healthy approach to social media and that's awesome. Um, I was getting to the point where I felt like I was addicted and like I would just pick up my phone and check Instagram all the time. I remember like the first days of Instagram where I was just sharing my art and I was following a lot of other artists and it was just such a cool way to connect and we would have great conversations and it was just this beautiful thing. Um, But then when I started using it for my business and I started like you know, worrying about the algorithm and stuff. And I realized that like the thing that was getting likes and traction was like pictures of me. And and that's just what the algorithm likes. It likes personal pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, I could care less about pictures of me. Like <laughs> I, I, I felt like I was like building this, one of my mentors put it in a really interesting perspective. She was like, we're basically building altars to ourselves on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this yeah. huge feed of all these photos of myself. And so that just felt really odd to me. Uh, and I had I had done a bit more research and um, I watched, of course, like the social dilemma. And then I was doing yeah. some more research into like how social media has really started to polarize people. Um, but mm-hmm. also one of my big concerns, um, and, I, and I've seen this in some of my, my um, friends who have like little sisters and stuff, um, or even daughters, friends that are a bit older than me that mm-hmm. have um, daughters that are getting into like their teens and stuff. But like, the effect that it's having on young people, <laughs> um, the way that it messes with our brains, but then also the way that it messes with our body image. And so mm-hmm. especially through my my study of Ayurveda, 
Um, and, you know, wanting to encourage people to be like the full expression of themselves and to not compare themselves to others because we're all very unique. It just no longer felt aligned for me to be on this platform that was kind of exacerbating a lot of the issues that I feel like I'm fighting against, you know? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that was, that was a big part of why I decided to get off. And it was definitely the right decision for me. Like, I'm so happy to be off of it. Mm -hmm. However, full transparency here, like my business took a dip. I was getting a decent amount of, um, of traffic and business, you know, connecting with potential clients on Instagram. And so, and I knew that was going to happen. And so I was prepared Mm -hmm. for it. And I had this whole business strategy of like what I'm going to do to supplement for that. Um, But for reasons that I won't fully get into now, but Stephanie, that you're aware of, um, I wasn't able to implement all of those things at the pace that I thought I was going to. So there is definitely a lull there. Um, Still is a bit of a lull. Uh, But now I'm getting into like these new workshops um, and I'm able to start putting that new business model into place. Um, In the past few weeks, I've really been able to start ramping that up. And that feels really, really good. So I, yeah. I really, um, for anybody out there that's like, oh, I don't know, considering this or just thinking about online business in general, I just want to say like, there are so many different ways to run a business. We, I feel like we're told that we have to be on social media. We have to be doing X, Y, and Z in order to grow our business. But Um, One of the things that I did before I got off social media was find mentors who aren't doing that. They're not on social media, or maybe they have an account, but they hardly ever post, but they still have really successful businesses. So there are so many different ways to run a business, even an online business, and we don't have to be beholden to these um, social media platforms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that story, and it's super inspiring to me that you have done that because yeah, I mean, there are so many concerns with social media. I mean, it is a great platform for connecting you with people that you may not have met otherwise, but um, that reward comes with plenty of caveats. And so, um, you know, similar to Ayurveda, like I love that message of you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. And in fact, it may not be the right thing for you. Um, And I think that's a really great example of going back to those values aligning what you were doing with those values and being okay if it looks different than what other people do. So absolutely love that. I think it's the coolest story. Um, I guess a few general questions. What has been the hardest part of all of these life changes that you have made? Okay. The first thing that comes to mind that is no longer the hardest part. Romantic relationships, dating. Mm-hmm. So I now have like an amazing partner. We've been together for about a year and a half and oh my gosh. So so freaking grateful and happy that we're together. I just he's he's amazing. Um but prior to meeting him, traveling and being a nomad, um I met a ton of people, you know, and I and I would go on dates from time to time. But there was this point where either I was moving on or the guy was moving on. And so, you know, if say you're just like living in the same city, you can date for as long as you want. It gets serious when you want, when you want it to get serious or you break up when you want to break up. But this was very much like, like speeded up, you know, because like somebody's going Mm -hmm. to another country or whatever, you know? So we have to make Mm -hmm. the decision like, do we travel together now? It becomes more serious, you know, pretty early. Yeah. A lot quicker. Or do we break up? And usually it was the breakup mm-hmm. bit because I wasn't willing to change my plans to like <laughs> align with what some guy wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say romantic relationships is probably the trickiest thing. Um, nowadays, I would say something that can be tricky is when I'm in a place, I really want to explore and see that place and get involved and volunteer and, you know, um, all of these things. But I also need to like, make a living. And I love what I do professionally. I love my business. Um, I love working with clients. And so balancing those two things, you know, um, it can be tricky sometimes. And so what I've done and COVID also just, you know, made this happen too, but I really slowed down the way that I travel. And so I travel a lot slower now 
so that I don't feel that pressure to like see all the things, but also I need to work, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I travel quite slowly now. What has been the best part? Hmm. Being exposed to so many different ways of living, I think. When we're just like living in the U.S. and, you know, on this track, it, it feels, it really feels like there's one track. Like, yes, we choose different professions or whatnot, but there's like this, this kind of linear thing. I read this book recently that was wonderful um, by Kayleen Schaefer, I believe is her name. And um, she talks about being in your 30s and how like um, psychologists or sociologists back, I think it's like in the 50s. I hope I'm not butchering this too much. Um, but that they made this checklist of like, basically like, what do I need to do to be an adult? Right. And so there's like this kind of like linear thing that we're all, um, in. And so to step out of that and then to travel to these other countries where that's not the norm, you know, and, and to see that like, oh, people are living differently and also meeting other travelers who have very different lifestyles it's just like really opened my mind to the fact that, like I said, there are so many ways to live. And I try and bring that mindset into business too. Like what we were just talking about, like there's mm -hmm. so many different ways to run a business or there are so many different ways to, you know, to, ha to have your relationship. Like all of these things, um, we might be told that they need to look this certain way in order to be like quote unquote successful or right or whatever. It's just not true. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see yourself when you're 80? Oh my goodness. I have no idea. Okay. All right. I kind of know. Okay. I kind of do know about this. All right. So I'm just going to get real weird here, but this is my plan. I want to have a pug cafe so I'm going to rescue senior like pugs. with the dog. Yes. Yes. Senior pugs. Senior uh -huh. pug dogs. Uh-huh. They'll be, I don't know, three to five. And we will have a pug cafe. I want this thing, like, as kitschy as possible. So, like, I also want to, like, get, <laughs> as I'm starting to travel, I'm, like, going to, like, um, or as I continue to travel, I've been thinking about, like, commissioning different artists that I meet to, like, do different pug art, like, in their style. Um, that's so fun. Yeah, I totally want you to do one too, Stephanie. And so Sounds great. I'm going to have like all this like pug art <laughs> and, you know, like pug teacups and all, and anyways, all of this. Um, and so, you know, we'll have like our little cafe, very much pug themed. And I really want to be one of those older women that just like wears whatever she wants to wear. So I'm talking like big earrings, bright colors, all the things. Love like, it. Just just go for it and just have a lot of fun um, with my wardrobe and stuff too. Um, and then professionally, I really hope that I'm, you know, I'm sure that my business will continue to evolve, but, um, but in that same way, I hope to be just so much more knowledgeable um, about Ayurveda and personal development. Um, and I'm really curious to see like how that continues to evolve. But yeah, I want to be one of those wise old women, you know, that's that sharing all of her fun stories and um, also able to, to really like, I, I hope to really look back at my life and, and feel like I've made a difference, made an impact. Yeah. Love that. Um, well, is there anything else we have not talked about or do you have any parting words for us that you would like to share? Let's see. I can't really think of anything. This has been such a fun conversation. <laughs> I agree. It has been fun. Eva, where can people find you if they want to learn more or connect with you? Yeah. So um, you can find me on my website. Um, it's theevapeterson.com. So funny story, evapeterson.com. When I was trying to buy this domain, like way back in the day, we're talking like when I was 20 or something, was a horse masseuse. A horse masseuse. And so... Um, so yeah, I couldn't buy that domain. So I have forever been theevapeterson.com, not because Love I'm full it. of myself, but because my name was taken by a horse masseuse. Um, so yeah. And um, yeah, so that's the best way. Um, and you can, you know, contact me through there, through there, through my website, um, or at hello at theevapeterson.com. 
Um, my Instagram profile is still technically active just because I'm like, okay, I need to go and like, you know, get all the content off of that, but I just haven't done it yet. I haven't, I literally haven't touched it since I was like, I'm off this thing. Um, but yeah, so my website's the best place to go. Great. And we'll make sure to include that in the show notes too. That way people can click and just go learn more about you that way as well. Cool. Yeah. And I have a monthly newsletter that, you know, with announcements for like my different online workshops or in-person things, all of that. And I also give updates about like where I am and what I'm doing. So, uh, so yeah, that monthly newsletter is my main point of contact. Awesome. Well, Eva, this has been so much fun. Um, I have been so glad to be able to share your story. I think it's fascinating and I'm very excited to see where you go next. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. And I think one of the the first few guests even. So yeah, so yes. excited for everything that you've got coming up. And um, yeah, really appreciate the opportunity to get to hang out. Ooh, what did I tell you? Wasn't that a great episode? Oh, I love Eva so much. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, thanks so much for tuning in today. Just a reminder, I am still giving away a complimentary print to anyone who reviews the podcast during the month of October. So how this works is that you will log on to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a review. Before you hit the submit button, take a screenshot of your review of the podcast. Email that to me at hello at stephaniekirklandart.com. And I'll include that in the show notes as well. And you are more than welcome to go to my website and tell me which print you would like. So you can find those at stephaniekirklandart.com slash prints. Or you can tell me, hey, Stephanie, just surprise me with your favorite print or the most popular print. And I am happy to do that as well. The other thing that you can do if you would like a slightly larger print, you can also mention the podcast in your Instagram stories. And if you tag me at Stephanie Kirkland Art, in addition to leaving a review, I will upgrade your print and send you one size larger as a thank you for helping to spread the word about the podcast. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.